He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. we got one great show for you today. I mean, we we have so much information that you, you, you can't get better information than the 5 o'clock show and in the studio with us, a Common Sense Democrat, we have uh, Judge Weinberg and a Common Sense Republican, Craig Eaton, and my sidekick. You love it when I kick you. Oh, my God, my <laughs> foot hurts. Uh, we've got a great show for everyone today. You don't want to miss it. It's action-packed. It'll be moving very quickly, so hold on to your seats. we got Ilya Shapiro. We're talking to Dr. Peter Mikolos, Michael Cutler, Mike Dowling, uh, Raphael Manguel, Bert Flickinger. But right now on the line, Professor Alan Adershowitz, a constitutional expert, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, premier expert when it comes to the Constitution. I read your latest column, uh, Professor Dershowitz. The indictment of Navarro is unconstitutional. How are you, Professor? Maybe the professor hasn't heard what Navarro said. That's a great idea. Listen to what Navarro has said today. Illegal aliens, everything from illegal aliens to Al Qaeda terrorists were treated better yeah. than I was that day. I get to the jail cell, and it's like leg irons, handcuffs, strip search, no food, no water, no access to anything, solitary confinement, and that's just like I think it to myself. This this feels like Stalinist Russia or Mao Zedong, Xi Jinping, China. Professor, your reaction? He's 100 percent right. Uh, there was absolutely no reason for not simply giving him a summons or calling him and saying, please appear um, eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning in front of the magistrate judge. That's what's happened in every one of my cases involving defendants like that. This was simply an attempt to punish uh, before trial, and it was cruel and unusual punishment. The idea that a man like that needs to be handcuffed and put in leg irons and told that he's in John Hinckley's cell, it's just, I'm so shocked and surprised at Merrick Garland if he knew about this, because I've always thought very highly of Garland. I thought he would be a great Supreme Court justice, but to to accept and be in charge of a prosecution like this, which which is so clearly unconstitutional. Let me explain why it's unconstitutional. We'll put it this way. Let's assume I got a subpoena tomorrow saying you were um, a lawyer in the United States Senate for the Constitution on behalf of President Trump. We want to subpoena you and ask you about every conversation you ever had with President Trump. I would, of course, say, no way. Lawyer-client privilege. Or what if his priest or minister got uh, such a subpoena? Or what if his um, medical doctor got such a subpoena, or his wife did. All of us have privileges, and Congress can't bypass those privileges. In order to get somebody to testify over a claim of privilege, Congress has to go to court and ask a court to resolve this. If a court then says you have no legitimate privilege, you have to answer the question, you're ordered to answer the question, then he could be held in contempt of court or indicted. But without a court intervening, there is no basis for an indictment. It's a violation of the separation of then powers, who, checks and balances. Who should we call upon to, to be, uh, uh, you know, prosecuted for doing such a thing to a, a person that was assistant to the president? Well, we first of all, we have to raise our voices 
about it loudly. We can't go to the Justice Department, obviously, because this is the Justice Department who did this. Uh, the Justice Department is above the law in that respect. What they did was utterly lawless. The very fact of indictment was lawless. But then what they did to him in jail was utterly lawless. So where do you go? You can't they, go st- they stuck it up his behind. Congress. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, in more ways than one. Maybe you could go to the Supreme Court, but that will take time, and you can't say, "Well, he should answer." Talking, the question, right. and maybe talking yeah, about the ahead. Supreme Court, you you got me play, play where I'm angry. That that couple that was defending their home in St. Louis, in St. Louis, the Supreme Court refused to hear it. They took away their licenses for for protecting their home, their law licenses. Yeah. Professor Dershowitz, yeah, no. that's incredible. <laughs> Especially when you think about what happened in New York, where a bunch of lawyers uh, threw um, Molotov cocktails or mm-hmm. Molotov cocktails. And they get a sweetheart deal. So far. Yeah, they get a sweetheart but, deal. You know, the law can't be the law if it recognizes faces. The Bible says, lo takir panim. It says, do not recognize faces. That's even more important for a judge than don't take bribes. You can't recognize faces, races, religions, partisan affiliation when you're doing justice. That's why the Statue of Justice is supposed to have a blindfold. But today, everybody is peeking beneath the blindfold to see the race, the gender. It shouldn't also also relate to relationships. It seems like anyone that has a relationship with President Trump gets treated with utter disrespect and embarrassment. Look at Roger Stone. When they when yeah. they picked him up, they could have just called him. They could have called his attorney, but no, they come with helicopters and boats and, and a camera crew and, from and, CNN, and, and, yeah. and you know, and the SWAT team. I mean, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. I mean, yeah, like, no, go I'm back to Peter Navarro. They should have given him a ticket, on, like you said. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a knock on my door oh, uh, with a subpoena. Uh, after all, uh, I had a relationship with. With the president, I advised them on camp uh, uh, on, on, on the Abraham Accords. I advised them on uh, Jerusalem. I advised them obviously on the Constitution. Yeah, Alan, and they could come you, after me. Alan, if you don't have fair and impartial justice, it's the beginning of destruction of this of, country. Of our country. Of this of country. Our whole country. Well, we talk even about Elon Musk. That's why I think he's even kind of uh, hesitating about the Twitter deal, because all of a sudden a woman came out and said, oh, he did this to me. He did that to me. It's like you see the campaign as soon as you go. And his net worth has gone down 70 billion (laughs) dollars because the stock (laughs) was was at eleven hundred. It's down to seventy seven hundred. I mean, all because his views went a little right. Tesla under attack. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't even see his views going right. I see them centrist, yes, civil libertarian. Today, being a civil libertarian like me portrays you in the media as right wing. I'm, you know, I'm a liberal, uh, and 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 yet my associations with President Trump, trying to help on Israel, have gotten me completely canceled in so many places. I could never get another uh, graduation. And I, I ran as a Republican liberal. For 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 uh, mayor, I ran as a Republican liberal because I yeah, believe yeah. in helping up, oh, you know the the uh, the poor and the uh, underprivileged. But meanwhile, if you're pro Palestinian, if you're pro terrorist, nobody has a problem with that. Well, there was a great cartoon when Larry Summers essentially got fired as president of Harvard. They ran a cartoon, I think, in the Globe, which had him on his hands and knees begging for his job back on the the board of harvard saying you misunderstood i didn't say women aren't good at math i said 
Israel is a genocidal state. Now can I have my job back? <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it's just so true on college campuses today. You know, we know about Georgetown University. I think you're having uh, somebody from there on. We're having uh, Ilya Shapiro on later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's also a scandal, an academic scandal. By the way, do you think uh, Shapiro is, is correct that there's now a hostile work environment at Georgetown Law School? Does he have a good claim on that? Without a doubt. I think there's a hostile work environment in many, many universities. City College in York, uh, City University Law School, they all have hostile environments. If you in any way support Israel, if you're a Zionist, you can be a Christian Zionist, a Muslim Zionist, uh, you're going to be subject to a hostile environment. They say people have to have safe spaces. Nobody has the right to have a safe space for their ideas, but you have a right to have a safe space from physical intimidation from threatening to lose your job. I think he's 100% right. Georgetown University, uh, many, many other universities today have hostile environments. And if the same words were spoken and you just put the shoe on the other foot, you would see the results would be completely different. Everything depends on who you defend and who you attack and who you are and what you're Whatever happened to the whole outrage about McCarthyism in the 50s? Well, (laughs) on is the... January 6th committee, the new McCarthyism, is it the new House Un-American Activities Committee? And I think it is. I think we're seeing a return to McCarthyism uh, by the hard left and including now with the January 6th committee by some people who regard themselves as somewhat centrist uh, Democrats. I mean, the composition of the committee was completely rigged. The idea that they would recommend indictments against people who didn't comply with their subpoenas, many times unlawful subpoenas. I think we're seeing a new McCarthyism, and we have to fight back. And it's important that liberal Democrats like me, civil libertarians, take the lead in fighting back. It's easy, you know, for for uh, conservatives to fight back against liberals, but liberals should take the lead in fighting against the extremism of the left, just the way conservatives want to take the lead in fighting against the extremism of the hard, hard right. Well, it's it's we're we're at a crossing roads where mm-hmm. our country has to to survive. We have to have justice in America, justice for all, like you said. Whether we can't have this two tier justice system, one for. Radical left. I mean, we're seeing what's happening with the January 6th committee, right? They want to broadcast it. They want to change the narrative. And yet the riots, billions upon billions. You mentioned before the two lawyers who threw a Molotov cocktail into a a police van with police officers. And yet where are we broadcasting those uh, trials? But yet the January 6th committee, which was largely not, you know, not as it wasn't. I mean, nobody was killed except for the woman that they killed. But look at look at what's happening. I've been practicing law now for 35 years. The Department of Justice was the pristine entity in the federal government. And now today, in the last five years, it's so partisan. It's so partisan what they're doing. Well, I think it goes back even a little further than that. I think the Obama Justice Department was pretty partisan. Look, look, uh, John Kennedy's Justice Department was not without partisanism, appointing his own brother. Of course, legislation then changed that. You cannot any longer as a president appoint a relative to a cabinet position. But back in the day, they did. Unbelievable. To restore the Justice Department to its status as an intermediary, not. You know, they, they don't work for a particular party. They work for the people of the United States. Professor, uh, we have to go. 
Uh, we got some breaking news coming in from uh, London, and we'll talk to you again uh, real soon. Love uh, to do it. Thanks. Be well.